Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we are in episode 83 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today is September 16, 2023. The original intent of this podcast was to better inform you how water rights work, or should I say, are administered. We have accomplished some of that, but there are so many nuances that it is hard to cover them all. We have veered off into policy decisions and obvious things that impact water use, such as growing alfalfa in the desert and dividing up the Colorado River. I hope these things are of interest to you guys that are out there listening. Of course, I have a tremendous interest in water and read as many articles as I can. I'm sure I miss a lot. And if you see something that catches your fancy, let me know. You can reach me at Tommy at NoWater.com. That's K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. Okay, after saying that, I want to report on groundwater, not only in the West, but throughout our beautiful country. Groundwater is easy to overlook. Most of us don't see it think about it, or even know where it comes from. The New York Times created a beautiful article with interactive graphics that are mind-blowing on about August 28th. I want to summarize as best I can what that article said. The screaming headline was, America is using up its groundwater like there's no tomorrow. And then they went on to graphically show what has happened to groundwater since about 1920. Unfortunately, it ain't good news. I reflect back on what history has shown. From the 1800s until about 1950 or 60, America was truly a bounty that stretched from coast to coast. The thought then was, let's use it. There's plenty more. And there was. Forests were failed with little concern. There was always another better forest just around the corner. And this attitude was reflected in our use of water. There was plenty of water. In fact, so much that we usually used water as a way to get rid of our waste. Look at the Great Lakes. Industry continued to dump waste and toxins in the Great Lakes because that was the simplest and cheapest solution. Finally, in the 1960s and 1970s, finally, in the 1960s and 1970s, Americans woke up and realized we have a finite supply of resources and we should start using them wisely. I remember when the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland caught fire in 1969 because there was so much slime, oil, and grease floating on its surface. That was a wake-up call. We are waking up to water overuse, both surface and groundwater. The New York Times reports that overuse is draining and damaging aquifers nationwide. 
They wrote, quote, a wealth of underground water helped create America, its vast cities, and bountiful farmland. Now Americans are squandering that inheritance, end quote. And it continues today. It is unseen, and there are no river fires to make us, quote, see what is happening. The Times looked at water levels reported at over 84,000 monitoring wells and analyzed them for trends since 1920. These trends reveal a crisis that threatens American prosperity. Nearly half the sites have declined significantly over the past 40 years as more water has been pumped out than nature can replenish. The declines are evident nationwide. In the past decade, four of every 10 sites hit all-time lows. And last year was the worst yet. Declines are particularly evident in western states and in parts of the lower Mississippi and in central Illinois and along the Atlantic coast. Many of you may not realize that rainfall typically soaks into the ground and replenishes shallow aquifers. These aquifers then slowly release water to our rivers. Thus, rivers in the east are more likely to run year-round than rivers in the west. Western rivers are typically fed by snowmelt. As the snow begins to melt in the early spring, our rivers rise rapidly in late spring and usually peak in June. Then the reverse happens as the snow melts away and river levels fall rapidly and are back to very low levels by August. That is why reservoirs are so important in the West, to level out those flows so we have water year-round. So let's talk about the crisis that is unfolding, underfoot, and out of view. Many of the aquifers that supply 90% of the nation's water systems and which have transformed vast stretches of America into some of the world's most bountiful farmland are being severely depleted. These declines are threatening irreversible harm to the American economy and society as a whole. The New York Times investigation revealed how America's life-giving resource is being exhausted in much of the country, and in many cases, it won't come back. Huge industrial farms and sprawling cities are draining aquifers that could take centuries or millenniums to replenish if they recover at all. Groundwater loss is hurting breadbasket states like Kansas, where the major aquifer beneath 2.6 million acres of land can no longer support industrial-scale agriculture. Corn yields have plummeted. If that decline were to spread, 
it could threaten America's status as a food superpower. 1,500 miles to the east in New York State, overpumping is threatening drinking water wells on Long Island, birthplace of the modern American suburb and home to working-class towns as well as the Hamptons and their beachfront mansions. Around Phoenix, one of America's fastest-growing cities, the crisis is severe enough that the state has said there's not enough groundwater in parts of the county to build new houses that rely on aquifers. In other areas, including parts of Utah, California, and Texas, so much water is being pumped out of the ground that it is causing roads to buckle, foundations to crack, and fissures to open in the earth. And around the country, rivers that relied on groundwater have become streams or trickles or memories. There is no way to get that back. Don Klein, the Associate Director for Water Resources at the United States Geological Survey, said of disappearing groundwater, there's almost no way to convey how important it is. But despite the importance, the view of the predicament has often been ignored. For example, every year since 1940, more wells have had falling water levels than rising levels. One of the biggest obstacles is that the depletion of this unseen yet essential natural resource is barely regulated. The federal government plays almost no role, and individual states have implemented a dizzying array of often weak rules. The problem is also relatively unexamined at the national scale. Hydrologists and other researchers typically focus on single aquifers or regional changes. All of this helps enable and reinforce practices that have drained aquifers, such as growing water-intensive crops like alfalfa or cotton in dry areas and over-reliance on groundwater in fast-growing urban areas. Several states, including Texas, Oklahoma, and Colorado, have rules that allow groundwater to be pumped from some regions until it's gone. Some areas have even set official timelines for how quickly they plan to use up groundwater over the next few decades. Oklahoma is working to determine how much water remains in its aquifers, information that state lawmakers could use to set limits on pumping. But Christopher Neal, the head of water rights for the Oklahoma Water Resources Board, said people might not necessarily welcome the government telling them that their land is running out of groundwater. 
If we start showing that kind of data, that kind of goes into your property values, Mr. Neal says. If we show an area may be depleted in, let's say, two years, well, if someone tries to sell that property, they're not going to be able to. To get the clearest picture possible of the state of groundwater in the United States, the Times interviewed scientists, policymakers, and hydrological experts, in addition to building its national database of millions of measurements from wells used to measure groundwater depth. They also used sophisticated satellites that can estimate groundwater changes from space by measuring subtle shifts in gravity. Data from those satellites, which are funded by NASA, also show aquifers in decline. Two major California and Arizona aquifers recently matched or exceeded their lowest levels since NASA began collecting data two decades ago, according to research at the University of Texas at Austin. And parts of the vast Ogallala Aquifer beneath Kansas, eastern Colorado, and the Oklahoma and Texas Panhandles, an aquifer that irrigates a huge share of the global food supply, last year reached their lowest levels since the start of NASA's program. Many aquifers, that is, layers of water-soaked dirt and rock, are being rapidly depleted, permanently damaging them. The land can settle as water is pumped out, leaving less space for new water to refill the aquifer. Deeper aquifers beneath impermeable clay and rock can also take thousands of years to recharge. Climate change is amplifying the problem. It adds up to what might be called a climate trap. As rising temperatures shrink rivers in much of the country, farmers and towns have an incentive to pump even more groundwater to make up the difference. From an objective standpoint, this is a crisis, said Warija Bowman, a law professor and water expert at the University of Tulsa. There will be parts of the U.S. that run out of drinking water. But everywhere, there are still thirsty farms. The most visible symbol of America's agricultural bounty is the, quote, center pivot. It's an irrigation system, a metal contraption on wheels that is attached to a pump and revolves around a central or center point. We've all seen them when flying over the central U.S. They appear as green circles on an otherwise brown earth. Across much of the high plains, the landscape is dominated by these pivots. These pivots disperse hundreds of gallons per minute from a well 24 hours a day for weeks or months on end. 
but a visitor to Wichita County in western Kansas will see fewer of them. The reason? There's little water left to lay down. The wells have begun to go dry. Irrigation can more than double the amount of corn grown per acre. As farms in the area use up the groundwater, corn yields have declined, erasing decades of gains. The region offers a glimpse into the future of America's farming industry if groundwater keeps getting used up. We overpumped it, said Farron Watt, who has been farming in Wichita County for 23 years. We didn't know it was going to run out. Last year, the United States produced 39% of global sorghum exports, 32% of soybean exports, and 23% of corn exports, federal data show. America also exported more cotton than any other country. That success has relied on pumping up more water than nature can put back. As recently as the late 1990s, Wichita County farmers produced 165 to 175 bushels of corn per acre, well above the national average. But it came at a cost, requiring farmers to drain the aquifer in order to irrigate their crops. The area gets less than 20 inches of rain a year, on average, about one-third less than the continental United States as a whole, not nearly enough to replace the water being pumped from the ground. As farmers ran out of water, they increasingly switched to what's called dry land farming, relying on rain alone. That change is reflected in corn yields over time. Last year, corn growers nationwide produced an average of 173 bushels per acre. But for Wichita County, the yield was just 70.6 bushels, the lowest in more than six decades. The same is true for neighboring counties, whose yields have fallen to where they were in the 1960s. Kansas has no mechanism in place to stop its groundwater decline. The Kansas Geological Survey produces what it calls a lifetime map for the Ogallala Aquifer within the state Kansas borders. It shows that large areas already lack enough water for commercial agricultural irrigation. Wichita County and neighboring counties have been one of the first areas in Kansas to get close to the bottom of the aquifer, but they won't be the last. Tomorrow is here for them today in terms of reduced yields. Some farmers say they can adapt including Mr. Watt, 
who cited advances in plant genetics and also more efficient irrigation and better land management. Experts say farmers nationwide should make similar changes to ensure remaining groundwater is used as carefully as possible. But those types of innovations will only work for so long, said Bill Golden, a professor of agricultural economics at Kansas State University. The loss of water is going to outpace the gain of technology. Eventually, we're going to lose, he said. It's not just Kansas depleting its aquifers at a vicious clip. The same thing is playing out in areas around the country. In Arkansas, one of the country's biggest users of groundwater, more than twice as much water is being pumped annually from the main agricultural aquifer as rainfall and other sources put it back in, according to state data. In some places, the aquifer has fallen to less than 10% of capacity, the Arkansas Department of State warned this year. Arkansas produces roughly half the nation's rice, a water-intensive crop. In California, an agricultural giant and, like Arkansas, a major groundwater user the aquifers in at least 76 basins last year were being pumped out faster than they could be replenished by precipitation, a condition known as overdraft, according to state numbers. In Colorado, like other western states, farming, residential development, and reduced precipitation have increasingly strained the state's groundwater. But Colorado has policies that allow its aquifers to run out. In Maryland, almost three-quarters of monitoring wells have seen their water levels drop over the past 40 years, some by more than 100 feet. Charles County, which contains fast-growing suburbs of Washington, D.C., has used most of its groundwater for homes and agriculture, and it isn't coming back anytime soon. Most of the water we're pulling out of the ground is thousands of years old, said Jason Groth, the county's deputy director of planning and growth management. It's not like it rains on Monday and by Saturday, it's in the aquifer. Mr. Groth said the county, which gets the vast majority of its water from its own aquifers, will hit a point within a decade where it doesn't have enough water. A little more than one-third of America's total volume of drinking water comes from groundwater according to data from the U.S. Geological Survey. But small and rural communities are disproportionately dependent on wells, which typically cost less 
than treating and transporting water from rivers and lakes. Of the nation's approximately 143,000 water systems, 128,000 rely primarily on groundwater, according to the EPA. There are examples of other dire situations around the country, including Arizona, Texas, Utah, and others. We could go on and on, but there are also other problems associated with draining aquifers, mainly subsidence. It is such a big issue that I am going to tackle that in episode 84. In the interim, stay tuned and come with me to our melting, snow-fed mountain stream. We might be lucky that it is not a spring-fed stream. See you next time.